0: Hi, this is Calvin Reed.
1: And this is Heidi McDonald. And we're live at San Diego Comic-Con. And this is our daily Comic-Con podcast.
0: All right, this is uh, Calvin Reed, and I'm on the floor of uh, San Diego Comic-Con International. I'm actually at the Dark Horse booth, and I'm with Vivek Tewari, and we're here to talk a little bit about, or a lot about, (laughs) The Fifth Beetle, really an extraordinary um, new graphic novel and film uh, coming, and I'm going to actually let Vivek talk a little bit about about it himself, so uh, welcome to more to come. This is the PW Comics World podcast. Thanks so, for having uh, me. absolutely. So, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, you, you've done so many things. I mean, you're a music producer. You're a writer. I mean, you put together this amazing project about the Thank Beatles. You. Um, I, but th- th- just tell—I want you to tell our audience just a little bit about yourself, because if I, you know, I could, you, I could go on and on and on. Sure. Yeah, so I, I grew up in New
1: York City, and my parents were great lovers of the arts. So mm-hmm. ever since I was a little kid, I was being exposed to everything from opera, ballet, yeah. and Broadway musicals uh, to, uh, you know, punk rock at CBGBs mm-hmm. and early Sonic Youth shows. So I really grew up with music in my blood. And my grandfather, who was a big influence in my life, always told me, you need to work for yourself, and you need to do what you love. Um, so uh, so starting my own company was always the end goal. Mm-hmm. So I run a company called Tuari Entertainment Group, um, where, where we are producers of film, television, theater, and now, most proudly, graphic novels. Yes, yep. And, um, you know, it was a few years ago uh, that I was looking for the next story I wanted to tell, and I realized it was the Brian Epstein story, and, and uh, I'm just very very
0: proud that here we are with the book coming out. So, uh, why the Beatles? Why, well, this obviously, uh, I, I know your investment in this, this project, and this is a very emotional investment. So, um, tell us a little bit more about, personally, why this... I mean, we, all love, we all love The Beatles, but yeah, what no, absolutely. personally, did capture your imagination? Absolutely. So so it's
1: called The Fifth Beatle, and it's specifically about about the life of Brian Epstein, who was Epstein. the Beatles' manager. And uh, I grew up with the Beatles in my house. My parents were lovers of the Beatles, sure, and so, sure, so the, sure. I grew up, to my, to the soundtrack to my early life was The Beatles. And uh, I went to business school, where I was dreaming about doing a lot of the things that I'm doing now. And being a little academic, I thought that if I am going to work in the entertainment industry, I should study the lives of some of the great entertainment visionaries, which is what led me to a study of Brian Epstein's life. Um, So initially I was looking for a business blueprint, wanting to know how he got them a record deal, how he imaged them, how he came up with the suits and the haircuts, how he convinced Ed Sullivan to book them, um, etc., etc. And I was rewarded with that story, which is a wonderful story, and it's it's certainly in The Fifth Beatle, but it was the human side of his story that really struck a deep chord for me. Uh, And in brief, Brian was gay, Jewish, and from Liverpool, uh, which in the 1960s were three significant obstacles. It was a felony to be gay. Literally yes. against the law. Um, so, in a lot of ways, Brian was the ultimate outsider yeah. for a gay Jewish man from Liverpool to run around saying, "My band that I've just discovered is going to be bigger than Elvis," was laughable, <laughs> and people did laugh at him. Um, so, and and while I won't pretend to have had that degree of obstacles in my life, um, growing up in New York City, a first generation uh, young man of Indian, first generation American of Indian origin, parents from Guyana, South America, sure, sure. grandparents from India. Um, a family that doesn't understand the entertainment industry. You know, I could really relate to that feeling of being an outsider in a field that you're very passionate about. You know, young people of Indian origin don't go into entertainment unless it's Bollywood, which is a very specific right, yeah. thing. So I could. So so Brian is somebody that uh, I, I describe him as being a historical mentor. Yeah. Someone mm-hmm. who I never knew, but whose life I've really looked to learn from. So I've really been studying this this the life of Brian for for more than more than half my own. You yeah. know, for for twenty plus years now. So so that's why, Brian,
0: it's a real labor of love yeah. for me. Well, this project though, it 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 really has reached this point in a, in a, a little different way than projects come to publishers. Dark Horse or otherwise. Um, you've got fabulous artists. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the artists, but also how you brought this package together and it ended up at Dark Horse. Yeah. So um, so I
1: decided that I w- wanted to tell this story that, that I had been researching for half my life for personal reasons, not planning on writing scripts or screenplays. Sure. Um, but I decided I wanted to tell the story, and I immediately thought of the story in terms of color palette. It starts off in 1961 Liverpool, which is very industrial, dark, gray, depressed, very black and white, oh, yes, if yeah. you will. It oh. ends in 1961 London which is the birth of the summer of love or, or the birth of the psychedelic era through the summer of love uh, it's very technicolor so I saw the story as being one that moves from black and white to Technicolor so yeah, yeah. thinking in, in those terms it immediately felt like a graphic novel awesome. and a film mm-hmm. visual arts yes um, I grew up reading comics I love comics I always say I learned to read by reading comics yeah, I hear you. Um, you know so I'd been dying to do something yes, in the comics uh, field so so I was was very excited to launch it that way um, through a mutual friend I met Andrew Robinson I was looking for an artist uh, Mark Irwin was the mutual friend um, who does a lot of work in the comic space and is very well connected to artists so Mark's uh, was helping me find an artist and he recommended Andrew and he was spot-on um, Andrew Robinson talent is, is gorgeous
0: it speaks for itself yeah, I've um, seen the art and you know. I can attest to that it's it's really fabulous rich uh, captures the period. I think his his style of his characters seem to
1: say Absolutely. the mod era to some extent. Absolutely. Yeah. And and if you look at his work, it's clear that that he would be able to do that. Yeah. And I wanted a yeah. very painterly style yeah. mm-hmm. for the art. So Andrew was perfect. And uh, there is a seven page sequence towards the end of the book, uh, which which goes into the period when the Beatles go to the Philippines and they inadvertently snub in Mal Marcos and things get 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 very haywire for them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and in my poetic mind. I thought things got very cartoony, so I thought let's do this sequence uh, as a tribute to the old Beatles cartoons. And so we got my uh, my dear friend, the very talented Kyle Baker, um, to do that sequence. And Kyle's work is, or some of his work, is very uh, very uh, fanciful, cartoon driven. So, and he grew up uh, reading the Beatles, uh, watching those old sure. Beatles cartoons. Yeah. So he was very excited about that as well. Yeah. So it's so Andrew and Kyle are the two artists on the book. Also,
0: awesome. but you sort of put this whole production. I mean, you sort of brought this production. To dark horse I did uh, I mean yeah I did a, a hole <laughs> that's nice of you to say yeah. you know
1: I, um, I as I said I come from with music in my blood mm-hmm. and uh, I did work for a big record label for Sony mm-hmm. and for Mercury um, but I was always a big proponent of DIY yeah. of do it yourself I always encourage bands make your own demos put out your own records build your own fan base and in theater that's how you get a theatrical show off the ground. You raise the money wherever you can, and you put the show up. So that's kind of how I've always operated. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it never occurred to me to go pitch this story to a publisher and like get somebody yeah. to pay me to do it. I'm like, yeah. let me raise the money and let me just do it, and then I'll figure out what yeah. home it belongs to. Um, so that's what we did. Andrew and I started uh, making the book. We were probably, I don't know, somewhere between ten and twenty pages in, and um, and word got out that that uh, that it was a Beatles book and that Andrew and Kyle were involved, and. So so I'm very happy to say that the company started calling, yes. and uh, and Dark Horse um, we're just so passionate about it. Mike Richardson flew to New York, but right. uh, to give to give credit fully, where it's due, Michael Martin's the head of sales. Mm-hmm. I met him at a, at, at Book Expo yeah. about three four years ago, and. Um, and I told him I wasn't looking for a publisher, but he said, you know, my, my, my publisher is a huge fan of the Beatles. I'd love to talk to him about it. And I said, sure, go ahead and talk to him. And the next week, Mike Richardson flew out <laughs> to New York to meet with me. He loves this project. Well, and it, and, it, and, it, and it, it became very clear that the entire Dark Horse family was the right home right. for this. Awesome. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's where we, we, we landed. Now, in. there is
0: a film aspect, to that you're, you're producing the film yes. and writing the screenplay. Right? That's correct. Yeah, so
1: so to, to give you the brief
0: overview on the film,
1: mm-hmm. uh, I have adapted my graphic novel script into a screenplay. The two mediums are very different. I love them both. So they really are too... It's not as though I just uh, took the this, mm-hmm. this graphic novel script and reformatted it. Yep. it. It is it is very different. Um, and uh, and most notably on the film, after two and a half years of working on it, uh, we secured the approval of the band and did a deal with Sony ATV who control the music rights so we have access to Beatles music for the film, which is terrifying exciting. We're the first film in history about the band to have gotten access to Beatles music. Prior films about the Beatles have gone without Beatles music, um, and so right there, this is a major divergence from the book. You know, because uh, you know the book obviously doesn't have music. You know, there are lyrics, but but the book does, there's no audio in a static book. Uh, and so um, so the film, because we have those music rights, we're going to use them. So there are extended sequences in the film that are very music driven, um, and the script is done, screenplay is done, and uh, as I said, the music rights are secure. And we are out to directors right now. Um, I'm happy to report that uh, that both Hollywood yeah, and the UK film yeah. industry are are very enthusiastically receiving the project. <laughs> um, so I, I hope oh. that in another couple of months I'll have some some more uh, more definitive news to report with dates. I, I um, but it. the film really is a, it's a reality. It's not it's yeah. not a it's not something we're we're hoping that will happen. It is happening. Oh God, um, I just can't give you any more details than that just yet.
0: Thanks, yeah. And you know it just. Once again, so what can uh, the readers uh, for the graphic novel, which is coming out in November, November nineteenth, I think, and pre-or- pre-orders are, are right. happening right so now. If you to don't mind me telling that, absolutely yeah, no problem. Yeah,
1: pre-orders, uh, you can get it online at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, right. Indiebound, uh, your retailer of yeah. choice. But very pre- good pre-orders do through indi- the independent bookstores. There, of very of impressive. Uh, are <laughs> you kidding?
0: I, I buy most of my books from the independent. I, I, so, you know. so what can a reader, uh, you know, a, a comics fan, a music fan expect uh, when they when they open the, the pages of the film. Yeah, well, film. I mean, you've
1: seen it. It's very gorgeous. Yes. So, so right off the bat, I think in a lot of ways it feels like an art book. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to give Andrew his credit. The, the, the artwork is simply gorgeous, mm-hmm. and Kyle as well. That sequence is fantastic. The, the, so, I think right away you can expect to be blown away by some beautiful art. Um, but as a Beatles fan, you're going to be treated to a story you don't know. Right. It's an untold Beatles story, um, and a very inspirational one. And and that was the next thing that I was going to say. Really, at its core, it is an inspirational human story about following your dreams and the least likely person to succeed going the distance in their chosen field and that's a story that anyone can love Beatles fan or not. You know I always say that um, with the film side of things even though technically it's a music biopic it's not Ray or Walk the Line it's better compared to Billy Elliot or Rocky you know, yeah. And in the same way that you don't need to be a fan of ballet or boxing to uh, be inspired by Billy Elliot and Rocky, you don't need to be a fan of the Beatles or even of music to be inspired by the Brian Epstein story. It is that kind of a human story. So, um, so I think that's what readers can expect. Yeah. All right. And if, I've jo- note, if I've done my job correctly, that's, been, yeah. that's what they can well, expect. Well, I'm
0: sure you have. Thank and you. on that note, thank you.
1: Thank, thank you much so much. For, you know, it's right.
0: great to talk to you, Calvin. Right. Right. Thank you. This is Calvin Reed, uh, direct from uh, San Diego and from the uh, San Diego Comic-Con International, um, just giving you a quick update on some of the doings around the biggest pop culture convention in North America. Um, You can also check out our uh, coverage at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Um, But uh, I'm uh, giving you this uh, podcast uh, update on uh, early Saturday morning uh, in advance of uh, the appearance by... Uh, Congressman John Lewis, um, civil rights legend, and uh, the newest author, newest graphic novel author of March, book one, uh, created in um, in combination with uh, Andrew Iden, uh, a member of his staff, and uh, the award-winning graphic uh, novel creator, Nate Powell, published by Top Shelf. Uh, in fact, uh, our coverage began Wednesday night during the traditional preview night kickoff, a uh, Rambunctious and chaotic stampede through the through the um, exhibition floor by thousands of fans. Um, you can sort of purchase. Uh, I think if you buy a 4-day pass you have the option of buying a pass also for preview night. It's basically a, like a a 3-hour preview of the the uh, insanity that is to come over the next uh, 4 days. Uh it's fun, it's uh you know a tsunami of fans, uh giveaways, samplers and the like and uh and uh PW uh, including um, my co-editor uh Heidi McDonald um, and various PW freelance writers also. Um we're right in the thick of it. Um, and this, some of the stuff we picked up, really, just a quick look at what publishers are offering. Uh, once again, um, uh, Top Shelf was offering uh, uh, John Lewis's book. Um, really looks likely to be really one of the big books of the year. Um, publisher Chris Staros wouldn't give me a, an, a, an exact number, but he was quite clear that uh, they're getting very healthy uh, pre-orders on the book, and um, and really most of the media is yet to come. In fact, uh, Andrew Iden was on the floor. Uh, you know, uh, top shelf authors generally sort of work the floor, um, sell books, talk with the fans, and and Iden uh, uh, jumped right in. Aiden Iden, who is his co-writer, actually is a very interesting case uh, because he actually wrote his thesis. Uh, I think um, I believe it's a PhD thesis. Don't hold me to that. Uh, on the Montgomery story, a really classic and historic comic uh, published in the 1950s during the Civil Rights Movement that outlined um, the, the nonviolent um, philosophy guiding uh, the Civil Rights, Lewis and Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, it has since gone on to become a classic, but it actually was uh, an inspiration to the, the young John Lewis. Uh, and many, many years later, he, in fact, in an interview with us uh, several months ago, cited that comic book. Uh, as in uh, as just as something in his mind that uh, that made him believe uh, a, a graphic biography would be uh, as inspirational to this generation of readers as the Montgomery story was to him um, in addition um um, Top Shelf was also offering a really uh what really looks to be a really uh really wonderful story and terrifically illustrated book by uh, uh somewhat of a newcomer in the graphic novel field Rob Harrell, who I believe is a newspaper comic strip artist uh, this is his first graphic novel uh it's a, a delightful comedy fantasy uh, kind of about a uh slacker dragon um uh, uh, but that to really filled that with great art, and you're going to hear much more from this book. Um, in addition, uh, Top Shelf is also publishing a really unusual book, a prose book called God is Disappointed by uh, Mark Russell and Shannon Wheeler, which is a, a, an accurate summation uh, of the Bible, every page, uh, in a very accurate, if not reverent, uh, and wryly humorous um, sort of guide through the Bible. Uh, a little different for top shelf, but um, from what I read of it, very very funny, and uh, suspect it will be a kind of a dark horse surprise uh, on the publishing marketplace. Moving right along, um, uh, really so much stuff going on. Uh, we stopped by the Graphics booth. Um, they're doing, on the heels of their uh, 30th anniversary of Love and Rockets last year, uh, they're doing the uh, Love and Rockets Companion. Really, just a great. Collection of essays, interviews, all things a Los Brosiana. Uh, so that's going to sell uh, going on sale in the fall, as well as uh, the Love and Rockets covers. A complete collection of the iconic covers of the great Love and Rockets magazine over the last thirty years. Uh, what else have we been doing here at the at the uh, at the San Diego Comic Con? Uh, stop by the Archaea booth. Uh, there's a new um, a new volume in uh, David Peterson's Mouse Guard, um, uh, m- very popular um, uh, kid fantasy series called Black Axe. Um, uh, we also had um, let's see, oh yeah, we had a, a on the on the manga side. Uh, on the manga tip, we had uh, we were fortunate to have a meeting. Um, with uh, the Viz Media Brain Trust, including uh, CEO Ken Sasaki, um, publishing director um, Layla Acker, really talking about the manga market, Uh, Viz's move to simultaneous print and digital release with uh, Shonen Jump Weekly and many of their initiatives uh, in uh, original publishing. Uh, They've released some original graphic novels as well as the launch of a Of a new kids imprint, really a relaunching, renaming of the Viz Kids imprint to Perfect Square, and really sort of setting the stage for a. a, a comprehensive new kids' publishing pro- program at Viz that will include all of your manga favorites, of course, but really they're looking at doing uh, all kinds of uh, new stuff, sort of non-manga uh, uh, publications, uh, including kicking off the line, I think, early next year with uh, a, book, a series of graphic novels based on um, Bravest Warrior, the, uh, the ever-popular uh, creation of Pendle, Pendleton Ward, of adventure time frame. Babe. Uh, More stuff going on. Uh, We had a great meeting on the floor um, uh, with um, uh, Steve Rotterdam from Bonfire um, Agency, who was sort of acting as a liaison to a terrific PBS uh, um, uh, documentary that's going to be coming um i believe it's in the fall you'll uh, excuse me if i don't yes i think in october it's going to be coming it's actually a three-part uh pbs series much like you know the civil war or the baseball series and it's going to be focused on the comic book industry and in particular uh, superheroes in fact that's his name uh, the name of the series superheroes capes cows and the creation of comic book culture i really look broadly at the entire realm of uh, comic book publishing and its impact on the culture it's going to be accompanied by a um, prose work of the same name from Crown, and uh, written by Lawrence Mason. Not me, Lawrence Maslin, um, in uh, in collaboration with Michael Cantor, who's also doing the PBS documentary. Uh, look for this in uh, sometime in mid October, around the, the New York Comic Con. But it looks to be a terrific and detailed look at at, at uh, not at any one you know superhero. Very often you see uh, that the various publishers have published. You know, uh, scenarios or, or books on about the history of DC Comics or Marvel. This really will look at the whole broad category of uh, superheroes, and really how, uh, really how they've changed American culture and its impact on us, uh, on the on the American pop culture. Um, uh, uh, Realm. <laughs> Excuse my uh, lack of finding the right word there. Uh, moving on again, uh, we also on Preview Night stopped by um, uh, the uh, Dark uh, uh, Drawn and Quarterly. Once again, they've got tr- tremendous works. Um, uh, as mentioned in our uh, fall graphic novel announcements, uh, Peter Bag has got a biography of Margaret Sanger. Really looking forward to that. Uh, if you are familiar with um, the, the books by... Um, Marguerite Abouet and Clement Oubrary, Aya, Life in Yop City, a really delightful series um, of books that looks at life in post-colonial Africa in the 1960s, starring Aya, who's a very studious, ambitious, serious young girl who's uh, surrounded by not-so-studious boy-crazy girlfriends. And um, uh, many hijinks ensue, but it's a really delightful, um, close to the ground look at, li- at life in Africa that we really don't often see. Uh, more uh, yesterday. Um, I'm getting my days a little confused, so excuse me if I jump around. I uh, also had a really great interview, which you can also hear on our daily uh, podcast from the con, with, with, with Vivek Tiwari, really uh, an extraordinarily talented uh, producer writer really he's really built an empire of uh, in the music music business uh, but he's also produced Broadway shows, films. He's currently uh, the the, um, the the creator of a really a project of love. Um, it's a look at the life of Brian Epstein, the uh, the the young visionary um, uh, manager uh, that really brought the Beatles to us. Uh, in a book that's called uh, a new graphic novel, really a graphic biography of him, called "The Fifth Beetle," Fifth Beetle, to be published by Dark Horse uh, in November. Uh, 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 He really, uh, as a young man himself, he was very influenced by uh, Epstein's life Um, um, early on, really sought out um, people who knew him Uh, uh, later to decide that he wanted to do this project. And the project includes not just uh, a graphic novel, and I saw some pages from it, really great artwork by uh, Andrew Robinson and a really delightful seven or eight page sequence late in the book um, by, by Kyle Baker. Really looks at his life, uh, uh, what he brought to, uh, what he had to do to get the attention of the world for the Beatles, and his own life as a as a gay man at a time in Britain where really uh, homosexuality was actually a criminal act. So um, look for that book um, in the fall. And uh, Tawari is also at work, uh, indeed, has finished a screenplay, uh, and the book is, is very likely, he's very confident, will be made into a feature film in the next few years. And I'm going to end this quick update summation of um, Life uh, in the Fast Lane at San Diego Comic-Con uh, with um, a quick overview of last night's uh, Will Eisner Comic Industry Awards, the, the National Book Awards of the comics industry, Uh, a great event um, highlighted by four uh, um, uh, Chris Ware's uh, really extraordinary graphic novel in a box, Building Stories, winning four Eisner awards, including uh, The Capper of the Evening, of course, Best New Graphic Novel, and of course, Brian K. Vaughn also was right behind him. Vaughn and uh, Fiona Staples' uh, a saga, a, a really wildly popular scientific uh, uh, science fiction tale, uh, published by Image. Uh, in, in case you didn't know, obviously um, Building Stories was published by Pantheon. But uh, Brian, Brian K. Vaughn won three Eisners to uh, Chris Ware's four, and um, in addition, uh, let's see, Hope Larson's a- adaptation of Madeleine Lingle's. Um, a wrinkle in time, uh, published by Farrar Straus, one best publication for teens, and uh, Jennifer and Matthew Holmes' Baby Mouse for President from Random House, one best publication for early readers. Uh, just a, a quick sampling of some of the other book-related Eisner Awards uh, last night. Uh, see with um, Juan Diaz Canales and and Juan Geniro's Black Blackside Silent Hill won, I, won Eisner for best U.S. edition of international material. And uh, Naoki Rosawa's 20th Century Boys uh, won an Eisner for Best US Edition uh, from Asia. Uh, we also had a tie for Best Reality-Based Work um, by Joseph Lampard's uh, Annie Sullivan and the Trials of, of Helen Keller Center for Cartoon Studies, and The Carter Family, Don't Forget This Song by Frank Young and David Lasty from Abram Comet's Arts, they both won uh, I- Eisner Awards. Um, I could go on and on. Uh, let's see some of the other words. Oh, I'll just say two prose works that actually won uh, prizes in a, obviously in a an award ceremony that's you know really aimed at the comics uh, medium. Uh, Sean Howe's excellent uh, history of Marvel Comics, Marvel Comics: The Untold Story, uh, published by Harper Collins, uh, won an Eisner for best comics related work. And Susan E. Kirtley's Linda Berry, Girlhood Through the Looking Glass from the University Press of Mississippi won for best. Uh, academic work. Um, and let's see. The evening was a brisk and entertaining one. And there's, there's uh, generally a much complaints about the Eisner Awards uh, uh, seeming never to come to an end. Uh, that was not the case this year. Um, the ceremonies were brisk and entertaining. Um, highlighted, I'd, I guess, I'd have to say by uh, the um, the uh, uh, the annual uh, team up of uh, best selling uh, novelists and Sandman creator Neil Gaiman and UK uh, cut-up entertainer Jonathan Ross, also a sometimes comics writer himself. Uh, these two have kind of formed a pretty interesting uh, literary comedic uh, uh, presentation team. Uh, uh, much laughter was generated uh, by them, uh, particularly uh, after a reprise of their uh, onstage man kiss from a few years back then. Uh, actor John Barrowman joined in, and this this threesome uh, pretty much left the, cr- the, the crowd in stitches, and uh, that, um, uh, so uh, much, much fun was had by all really a terrific uh, uh, Eisner ceremony and on that note I will end this um, update for this year's San Diego Comic Con but as always uh, there will be much much more to come
2: Hi this is Kate Fitzsimmons reporting live from the east coast in the middle of a heat wave and not at Comic Con while Calvin and Heidi are running around recording interviews I'm back at base making all the magic happen so I'm sitting here in my Captain America t-shirt. So I'm sitting here in my Captain America t-shirt editing together sound files and looking at the list of the 2013 Eisner Awards. This year was particularly momentous because not only was there a strong list, but this is the first year the two categories in the Eisners have tied. Trials of Helen Keller by Joseph Lambert from the Center for Cartoon Studies tied with The Carter Family, Don't Forget the Song, by Frank M. Young and David Lasky from Abrams Comic Arts for Best Reality-Based Work. Meanwhile, Best Penciler was tied between David Adja for Hawkeye from Marvel and Chris Samney for Daredevil, also from Marvel, and Rocketeer, Cargo of Doom from IDW. Saga really took home the awards this year, winning Best Continuing Series, Best New Series, and Best Writer. Rounding out the Eisners, Bandette won Best Digital Comic. Best Anthology went to Dark Horse Presents. Best Graphic Album went to Building Stories by Chris Ware from Pantheon. And Best U.S. Edition of International Material went to Black Sad Silent Hell, by Juan Diaz Canales and Juanjo Guarnido from Dark Horse. So really, quite a strong slate, not a lot of surprises, good year. I'm waiting here with bated breath for more news to come in. Soon enough, there'll be more to come.